0: I've gotten used to being asked the standard questions when meeting someone new. Are you married? Do you have kids? But there's one question that really irritates me. And after thinking about this for a while, I decided I need to figure out why does this bother me so much? It actually comes across as a backhanded compliment to me, but I have really had to stop and investigate why this impacted me this way. I was leaving a Bethel worship night in Kansas City, and we had just had an amazing time in the Lord. I was with a couple ladies that I served with at a local prayer house. We decided to take Uber, and as usual, the driver, who was an older woman with a pleasant smile, she was really nice, pulled up and said, are you Angela? And I said, yes, ma'am. So I jumped in the front seat, and the other two jumped in the back seat. We're on our way to the hotel, And she began asking the questions. She asked about the concert, uh, where we were from. uh, And then, of course, it started to get a little personal because I was in the front seat. That was the other two in the back started having a conversation with each other. She began to ask me questions, you know, the standard. So, um, where do you work? And I told her I worked for a transportation company. Oh, really? What line of work, what do you do there? And I told her what I did. And of course, it requires a little explanation for some people. So I shared with her what I did. And then she said, so are you married? And I could tell by her tone (laughs) that this is going to be interesting. I responded with my standard, nope, single as a Pringle. And then I smiled. She laughed. She was like, I never heard that one before. The next question was, do you have kids? And again, I smiled and said, nope, no ma'am, no husband, no kids. And her next statement was exactly where I knew she was going. She said, oh, oh, so you're really focused in your career. You haven't made time for a family. Let me tell you, I, I, the Holy Spirit that I just experienced, He, I was about to just let him go because that made me angry welcome to in the meantime with the season single i'm your host angela hines and this is episode three how i became the season single So let's stop right here. While we were in the car, I thought it was very funny when she started asking that line of questions, the ladies that were in the backseat got very still and they stopped talking. (laughs) They knew what time it was. They were very aware of how dangerous her line of questioning had become. There's nothing that irritates me more than someone who makes assumptions about who I am and my motives behind my relationship status. So instead of getting caught up in my feelings, and allowing my flesh to prevail, I had to step back, take a deep breath, and think. Later that night, as we finished winding down for bed, I really did think, Why am I still single? After taking some time to really dig deep and to, to think about this, to think it through, Why am I not married? Don't I have the same odds as anyone else? I know people that have gotten married that let's say girls are larger than me they're maybe not as pretty as i think i am but and i'm just keeping it real those are the things that have come across my mind why are they married and i am not and i know the first thought people think is well it's god's plan But there are a couple other things that I realized in my life that had me in a place where I'm still single. And I had to come to grips with it. I had to be honest about who I am and where I was with that. I'm gonna share with you an explanation in three parts of how I became the season single. Explanation number one lack of intentionality. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I am from North Carolina, born and bred. And I love it. I love the good old Southern food. And more than anything, I love my family. Growing up, I got to spend lots of time with my mom's parents. And as a good girl being raised in the South, my grandfather pastored for 50 years. My mother was in ministry as well and worship and she pastored. My grandmother was a prayer warrior and my father's even in ministry now. But growing up, you learn one huge lesson and that is to keep your legs crossed and get your lessons. My grandma could say that thing (laughs) or I love the way my grandfather said it to the guys. Keep yourself to yourself. All right. And I was very good at this. I was the firstborn child and I was good at being a rule follower. Now, when it comes to dating, I did not date a lot growing up. My mom was a single parent and was very protective and really wanted us not to become a statistic. So she kept a close watch over us. She kept us engaged in lots of activities. And when I went off to college, that was my first opportunity to really date. And there were opportunities to date when I was in undergrad, but honestly, some of those relationships felt way too serious for me. I mean, I had just gotten my freedom from my mom. I was not trying to be locked down in a relationship like I saw a lot of other girls. They were always with their boyfriends. They could never go out with us. And honestly, I felt like it was a distraction. I was more interested in spending time with my children. So, you know they say that there are a lot of fish in the sea but when you start getting more educated they are far and few in between can i get a amen over the course of time i realized that girl you're in your early 30s if you want to be married and have a family you know you got to get this party started and this led to the period that i like to call the intense intentionality aka desperation or as the kids call it now hashtag thirsty let me tell you something. When I decided that I was ready to start working on a family, y'all, I went in hard. My view of dating is that it's a data collection activity where you determine if this is someone that you would like to spend and invest more time in. And we'll talk about that later in another episode. So I dated. <laughs> I dated younger men, I dated older men men from other countries, men outside my race. I even went on a date with a guy who was deaf. And while this is really interesting because I didn't realize that he was deaf until I got there because we were texting the whole time. And that's what my friend called an intervention. She was like, hold on, time out. Based on the data that I collected, there were some things that quickly became very clear to me, my desire to live a life that honored God while dating created some huge challenges. For some men, dating a woman who is not gonna have sex with you, is just a, hey, we're gonna kick her out. For others, it ensued a challenge for them. And what was confusing about it is that I had men who were willing to go to church with me, go to Bible study, and then they wanted to lay hands. And I don't mean to hold a con, if you know what I mean. And to be quite honest, The pain and the regret of allowing things to go too far was way too much of a burden for me to carry. I know what it feels like to break God's heart by sinning, and that is not something that I choose to do anymore because it separates us from Him. When you really love the Lord and you put yourself in a place that you want to honor Him with your life, you can't love your sin more than you love God. If you love him that much, you cannot sin. So that X'd out a lot of men for me. Because one thing I learned is that somebody who will sin with me will also sin against me. And I wanted somebody who not only honored God when they were at church and they had that church face on. I wanted somebody whose heart was really for God. So of course that leads to the next thing. This data collection process went on for quite some time, you can imagine. And then I met him. I met the one. From the outside looking in, we were the perfect match made in heaven. He was a single dad who had been attending my church and I'd met his daughter through a Girl Scout troop that I volunteered with. I loved her and she loved me. His gentle, and caring spirit with his daughter really made my heart fall for him. He was kind, he was very present, and we really connected. Our first date, my question to him was, so what does your five-year plan look like? What is your vision for the next five years? As he sat there and kind of talked to me about having a family, desiring more children, I knew that this was a man who was on a mission. Not long thereafter, marriage came up, and we talked through lots of things. We started dating in September, and by November, we were in it deep. I'd met his family. He'd asked to go home with me for Christmas to meet my family and let them know what his intentions were for me. His intentions were to marry me, to make me his wife, and to build a beautiful, strong life together. The visit home was great. My family loved him and my grandfather had the talk with him. I'd seen other people have that talk, but man, to be in it, it was great. And I'll tell you what, I never felt more loved and more supported by my grandfather ever in my life. I had a man that was sticking up for me who was looking out for me, and I'll never forget what he told him. He said, I want you to look at her. Look at at Angela. You see this young lady sitting in front of you? He said, if you want her hand in marriage, you can have it, but what you won't do is you won't mess over her. He said, if you decide that you don't want to be with her, you don't have to mess over her. You can leave her right where she is. Two months later, while at his house, cleaning up, packing lunches for his daughter, he asked me to marry him. And I said, yes. However... It wasn't until premarital counseling that my eyes began to open. As we prepared for the wedding, there were just things that were not sitting well in my heart. While I had this beautiful diamond ring on my hand, something just did not feel right. But I'm a loyal person, so I'm gonna see it through. That's when we pursued premarital counseling. With each session, it will become even more clear that this was not what God had for me. But I didn't know how to get out of it. I was loyal, like I had already, we'd already done all these things. We'd reserved hotels. We'd already started the wedding planning process and I did not know how to make it stop. Although I was still hanging in there, I was not settled and just continued to pray for clarity and protection clarity and protection, my prayers each and every day. Four months later, God answered my prayers. I received a phone call from my then fiancé, confessing essentially that he wasn't the person that I thought he was. And he let me know that he could not marry me. Divine revelation. When he told me that he couldn't do it, I can't do this. I can't. I said, you have to say it. I wanted to hear it from his mouth. I was not going to make any assumptions. If you asked me for my hand in marriage, you were going to tell me that you no longer wanted to marry me. In this revealing of truth, God not only answered my prayers, but he also had an opportunity to show me the idol that had been hiding in my heart. You see, I'd created an idol out of marriage. During the time I was recovering from the breakup, God clearly showed me, that I'd elevated marriage over him, the family over him. And I'll never forget what he spoke to my heart. I will not give you anything that you will put before me because I am God alone. So you see, I hadn't been very intentional in getting married, but when I looked around and saw that everyone else was getting married, I got busy. I became thirsty, I became desperate and started working on getting what I thought that I wanted and I deserved. But God, he always shows up and his kindness leads us to repentance. His kindness allowed me to see that this was not ordained by him. His kindness allowed my ex fiance to finally tell the truth about some things he'd been holding back. And I finally opened my eyes and realize what an idol I'd created out of this relationship, out of this person, out of this family. So there you have it. That's how I became the season single. So where do you fall in line? Do you have a lack of intentionality? Or are you in a season of intense intentionality, Or have you had the divine revelation of what God truly wants for your life? For me, that meant pressing into him My prayer for you is that wherever you are, that you have a divine revelation of God's great love for you and know that there is no greater love. So what do you think? Like it? Love it? Want more of it? Great. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. And remember, when you leave a five-star rating, you help others to find this podcast as well. So thank you in advance. In the meantime, let's continue the dialogue on Instagram and Facebook. Follow us at The Season Single or drop by theseasonsingle.com to join our mailing list, grab some swag, and check out all of the fun events that we have coming up soon. あ。